When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast, established 2019. Direct from the North Wales coast, his verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Well, welcome to episode 24. This is a big one this week. I said I would get different people within the industry of wrestling. We've got a journalist this week, and it's Talk Sports' Alex McCarthy. Specifically, a wrestling journalist, but he's also the US sports editor for Talk Sport. What a pleasure. What an absolute pleasure. But before we get to that, I'm just going to ask if everyone's all right. How is everyone in the lockdown? I'm going to do some more stuff on the page this week and the coming weeks. I'm thinking some live stuff where I'll say about what my favourite matches were and then you can come in. With, I'm hoping like I'll get some live videos back. That's the plan with that one. Back to it. Episode 24, Talk Sports, Alex McCarthy. It's a good one. Enjoy. Hello and a warm welcome to my guest this evening, Talk Sports US Sport Editor and the host of the only wrestling show on national radio in the UK, Talk Wrestling, Alex McCarthy, thank you very much for coming on, Alex. No problem, my friend. I love that intro. I love that list of professions that I now have. Thank you very much. Right, Alex, I'm going to go right way back here before, obviously, your journalism career. And I want to ask, when did you begin watching wrestling? Right, I mean, for me, I became a big fan of wrestling around the age of... I want to say nine or ten. And uh, weirdly enough, it was a thing that I bonded... With my gra- my gran over, um, you know, the Raw used to be in the UK on a Friday night. So although it was Monday Night War in America, in, uh, in England on Sky Sports, you'd get it at 10 p.m. on a Friday night, and then you'd get SmackDown on Sky One in on the morning, Saturday morning. So I mean, I, I used to say at my grand's a lot as a kid, and, and we used to watch that. My mum and my granddad would be like, "Don't let him watch it," but she would tape it for me anyway. <laughs> you know, we. We were both big rock, big rock marks. Um, you know, we loved it. Um, I still don't know to this day if she thought it was real or not. To be honest, but there you go. Um, so yeah, it was it was something that you know, and obviously everyone at school was loving it. It was the height of the Attitude Era. It was about ninety seven, ninety eight. You know, people, it was just it was just a huge time for wrestling in, in general. Um, so yeah, basically, me and my grand, she would take the pay per views for me as well. Uh, and I was just such a huge fan of, of the, particularly WWE particularly at that point. I knew of obviously WCW, but I was more a WWE guy. And then um, I, I, when The Rock left, and you know, just as Lesnar left as well, I kind of fell away from it for maybe three or four years. Um, and then I went back to uni. Went back to uni. I went to uni, and uh, in, in your second year, you get a house with friends, and there was a couple in there who liked it too. And I just got back into it. And so from about two thousand. And seven, two thousand eight onwards, uh, I stuck with it. 
so yeah, um, you know, I, I, I've pretty much been a lifelong fan, save for three years. And to be honest, those three years I caught up with on the WWE Network anyway. So <laughs> there you have it. Nice, man, nice. Right, obviously you've said about The Rock, but who were some of your other favourites at the time? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Rock and Austin, I think for anyone in that era, were kind of runaway winners, right? Um, you know, they, they, they defined, they're two of the biggest stars wrestling's ever had. And I feel like they had that rare moment where, even at the time when we had them, you could feel it. They were two like superstars who who absolutely larger than life. But for me, you know, in that time period, uh, you know, I was really drawn to. Um, I mean, so back in WrestleMania 2000, many of you remember Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and uh, Kurt Angle had a triple threat for the European and Intercontinental titles. That's like a dream match to me because those three men overall were just. I loved them. I loved watching them wrestle. All um, different but similar, uh, you know, intense characters. Who, you know, kind of entertaining too, especially when you know when you're looking at Jericho and Angle. Um, so they were three that I really adored. I, I, the Undertaker kind of goes without saying, but I also really loved early Kane, like before the mask came off. WWE were just so fortunate to have a rich tapestry of characters at that point. Um, I honestly don't know, although the talent levels today are you know exceedingly high i honestly don't know if they'll ever have a vast array of rich characters like they had at that point yeah i agree with you with the current crop they're fantastic athletically but yet on a character basis i'm, I'm with you on that 100 yeah i mean that's the thing as well you've got to look at like just the star power right in theory it should be easier to become a world a worldwide household name today given how social media and, and how interlinked all of, you know, um, not just media, but movies, films and entertainment, how interlinked it all is, should be easier to be a global star than ever. But, you know, they haven't had anyone who has remotely touched Austin and rock level. You know, they've manufactured stars too, like Cena and Reigns, you know, people they've pushed to be the man, but they haven't had anyone who's really broken through. You know, you could say a Daniel Bryan or a Becky Lynch are the most organic, and CM Punk for that matter, are the most organic uh, superstars they've had in the most few years in the last few years. But nobody has touched that status that those guys did at the turn of the millennium. So, you know, it's quite interesting when you think about it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Which matches are among your favourites? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not not necessarily like recent. Going back, going back to when you were younger, watching it. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think WrestleMania 17 is probably the greatest WrestleMania ever, and uh, the Rock Austin main event did that. So I always, I always think of them and their, you know, their rivalry and their history. Uh, to me, um, you know, as you get older, you kind of look at wrestling a little bit differently and what goes into it and the storytelling, and uh, you know, maybe pacing or character work, all things like that. But I've also always been a bit of a sucker for just some good old-fashioned car crash violence. Um, and, and that's why, you know, what A, ECW was always a place that I, I quite enjoyed, but two, the TLC match, um, that was at WrestleMania 17, I just thought was, uh, that's phenomenal, I can watch it any time. Um, the first few TLC matches they had like that were just out of this world. Like, they, I don't think they've been able to replicate that since. You know, it, uh, to be fair, they had a, a very good show at WrestleMania for the triple threat, but... Uh, in some of those early TLC matches were just absolutely insane. So I love thinking back to those. Um, you know, early Brock Lesnar as well. Uh, in his first 02 to 04 run, he had several great matches. 
Hell in a Cell with The Undertaker, obviously beating The Rock for the title. Uh, you know, he, he was he really was a specimen. It makes me laugh when people kind of say, oh, he can only do one or two things, but he, he chooses to in this day and age. Um, I, I mean, God, there's just so many. You know, Rock and Triple H, they had a fantastic Iron Man at um, Judgment Day where Undertaker debuted as the American Badass. Um, but then obviously there are ones that I saw on TV, but I've been lucky enough to go to WrestleManias now and uh, SummerSlams and NXT TakeOvers. I've seen some incredible matches there too. Uh, and for my money, NXT TakeOvers are probably the best shows, the best wrestling shows in the world. I've been very fortunate to see three of the four. I think there's is it been four? Or has it been? Yeah, sorry. I've, no, I've been to two of the three NXT UK TakeOvers thus far. Uh, and you know, I've been to a few in the states as well, like when Gargano and Champa in New Orleans. That was incredible. I mean, man, it's, I could be here all day telling you about great wrestling matches because in this day and age, yeah. there truly is so much great wrestling. We're very, very lucky, and you know, outside of WWE as well, the amount of content, yeah. the, the amount of stuff we've got at our fingertips now, it's it's just incredible, man. The depth and the, the quality. Uh, what I will say on that as well is that I went to. Double or nothing. So I went to AEW's first show yeah. in Vegas, and I was lucky enough to be there live for Cody and Dustin. I don't think I've actually ever seen a match that emitted so much emotion around the arena, and you know that emanated from the ring. Oh, Matt, it was incredible. Like so, um, although I've kind of you know let's let's be let's be real. Most media will cover WWE because that is kind of the the superstars that will that get the clicks. Right? There's just a, a, a worldwide fan base. Um, but no, that by no means means that we are restricted to WWE. You know, there's plenty of. I love AEW. I think since the turn of this year, they've probably put on the best product week on week. Uh, I know the pandemic has, um, you know, put, put things in a weird place right now where it's very hard to judge what is what. But at the same time, I felt like there was a, a period this year where AEW were having their best show ever week after week. So um, I think it's amazing. At this time, you know, in the climate we live in, if you want something in New Japan, NWA has got a real throwback style that I really dig. Um, Ring of Honor with Mighty Skill, uh, you know, having more of the pen these days and, and trying to tie up those relationships with NWA and New Japan. And then Impact, of course, they, they treat themselves like an Attitude Era style promotion. Uh, you know, and they'll tell you that themselves. Every super, every superstar I've interviewed from there has, has, has churned that line out. Um, yeah, and then of course you know right back around to AEW and WWE. Man, there is so much wrestling these days, and it's great. It is absolutely. I second that, man. I absolutely do. Who did you feel maybe going back to like the Attitude Era didn't get the WWE World Title but should have done? Was there any oh, any talents that you think could have took the belt on and, and been very successful at that time? Do you, do you know what? Um... There's there's a there's a few different talents that I lo- I looked at back then, and and now obviously looking at it with a more educated lens, I still think to myself, man, like what what happened? Like do you know do you know someone who had all the physical tools? And I think a lot of people have said, in terms of being an athlete, he's probably one of the best has ever been in WWE. Is Billy Gunn? Billy Gunn is is someone who has unbelievable athletic athletic gifts. Yeah, he's got all the tools you could wish for. He had the height, he had the size, he had the power, he had the agility. Uh, he, he had charisma, he just wasn't... Um, it didn't translate on the mic as well as it, you know, as, as people would have liked. And of course they tried to kind of give him that main event run a little bit in 
1999 with the King of the Ring, and uh, and then he kind of got in a feud with The Rock that just sucked. So it, it didn't really work out for him at the right time. But I felt like he had all of the tools to be a top guy. Another guy that I really liked who didn't ever really translate to a world title scene was Test. Another guy, he had the size, um, the power, great moveset. When he developed that big boot as his finisher, I thought that might be it. You know, like kind of like the uh, the light bulb moment. But again, he kind of he just meandered around the mid. He, he got stuck in a horrible storyline with Scott Steiner and Stacey Keebler as well. So it's just one of them. Like they, sometimes it doesn't work, and and then you know it's it's all about timing. And I think you know you, uh, we could be sitting there and saying the same things about Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, but timing was on their side at that time. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. All the star, all the stars align. So I think there's there's a ton of people. I mean, the, probably the most obvious one is, is Owen Hart. I felt like after the Montreal Screwjob, WWE, the, the storyline wrote itself. How he would, you know, Owen Hart would then avenge Brett and and get the title from Sean, and that that could have drew major major money because they could have blurred the lines fantastically, but. That's not what happened. Instead, Owen went into some sort of feud with Triple H where he came out the wrong side. So, um, there's lots of what, what ifs and who am I <laughs> to say what should have happened. But some, to me, that would have made obvious money. It's 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 opinions, Alex, isn't it? You know, we all had the yeah. we all had our favourites, and then yeah, there was guys. I I could list a load of guys that I thought could have ran with the belt. It's it's it's, it's opinions, which it, which is good. Yeah. We all like opinions in the wrestling talk. And that's the thing. I, I always thought RVD could have had a lot. I know I know his original run ended by his own fault, essentially. You know, when he got caught with the the, uh, yeah. the drugs in his in his car. Yeah. But I, he was someone as well. Like a lot of people thought that title reign was long overdue. Like he was really hot, sort of two thousand and one, two thousand two. Yeah. And then it, it took him years to to you know if. if if they didn't do the ACW one night stand, I'm not. I'm not convinced they ever would have given the belt full stop. So, uh, again, timing. But I felt like I felt like he could have he could have had multiple reigns, but wasn't to be. It was like just to go on to RVD a bit there. He, he said it himself at one night stand 2005, didn't he? You know, I'm not being told yeah. to say cool and bro and all the rest of it. You know, he just yeah. They just needed to let him loose, but it's it's the same now, isn't it? They're scripted, so you know. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, you know, like AEW. I think everyone who goes to work there is, has, has said that the culture and the, the, of creativity is much more, um, you know, not, not only just fluid but rewarding because it, they, they, it's not scripts; it's just the bullet points, which is what it was like in the Attitude Era before it was, you know, micromanaged. And look back then, all the magic that that you know transpired. So it's it's a tough one. Um, and, and for someone like RVD, there's a lot of characters, okay, that you can liken it to and say. Man, like they've got them stuck in this kind of pigeonhole, or you know, they just need to do something else, and you know, flip the switch a bit. You know, you, I don't know. Off the top of my head, why isn't Bo Dallas some kind of? Uh, you know, he's the brother of Bray Wyatt. Everyone knows he is, even though they don't acknowledge it on screen. Why don't they just make him some kind of like? You know, that's an easy feud for Bray Wyatt for a month. He could become, he could turn him from this happy-go-lucky, weird B-team player into like a follower of the Fiend, or you know, I don't know. Like, it could be some kind of real journey that a lot of the fans would be interested in seeing um look at drew mcintyre he is somebody who was just this you know they were calling him the scottish terminator i know drew really well actually and he you know we, we spoke about this in interviews he was being called the scottish psychopath and the scottish terminator and if you actually know drew he's one of the nicest kind of you know borderline goofy guys you'll ever meet and and i feel like now 
since the turn of the year and they've made him much more like he is in real life on screen, it made it made this babyface turn, if you want to call it that, so much more organic because the fans just re- you know just just uh, vibed with him easily. So you know, and that's what people will tell you that the best versions of characters are themselves but dialed up, and, and that's what Drew McIntyre is right now. So you're totally right in what you say, uh, RVD. Just needed to be, yeah, you know, be yourself a bit more. Be, yeah. and like you say with AEW, you can tell they haven't got the constraints that that you have in WWE. You can just tell, can't you, with the promos? Yeah, Jericho, Jericho's just like he, he, he was great anyway at WWE, but obviously it's it's even better now. I think what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, obviously Jericho, he 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 breathes rare air in the wrestling business, where he is literally one of the all-time greats and uh, you know at this stage in his career as well where he's seen and done everything the guy is just on another on another level but the, you know uh, to, to for him to go to AEW at this stage and I feel like this rings true for a lot of other talent it's just giving them a new lease of life a new breath of fresh air because for so long it was just WWE's way do you know what I mean like, yeah and, and you and once it's like a fan if you only really watch WWE you get acclimatised to to what WWE is, and, and therefore you think that's that's wrestling, right? So you, you know if someone doesn't hold a tag rope, or you, you watch AEW and you think, God, these tag rules aren't being enforced very well, and it's because you think what what WWE is is wrestling. Well, that's not necessarily the case. If you watch like Lucha Underground or anything like that, and I used to love Lucha Underground. The first couple of series of that were fantastic, but you you get a grasp that actually there are different iterations of wrestling and there are different ways to interpret it and to do it. And on the microphone is one of the main outlets in the wrestling business. And it's very important that, that people are able to project themselves. It's very hard to do that. If someone just gives you a piece of paper and says, say this, right? If, if that had happened, would we have ever really had Stone Cold? Would we have had The Rock? Who knows? I'm just going to segue now into basically the beginnings of your career in sports journalism. When did your sports journalism career begin? Well, so um, <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a funny journey, but I'll, I'll keep it as concise as possible. I, I basically I went to university uh, and I graduated from Solent in sports journalism uh, with every intention of kind of getting into football and and following that. Um, and then I didn't really ever do any work experience at university, which I really took for granted. I just I, don't, I think I really underestimated how important that would be. And so then there was like a four-year spell where I was just stuck in jobs that really didn't make me happy, you know, sales jobs, cold calling, uh, customer service. Uh, I was a floor layer for a little bit. I was just doing all these different kind of jobs because I needed money to live, um, you know, because my mum had, had moved away at that point. I was living with friends, sharing a flat, had to pay rent. I couldn't just wait around for a job in writing. And although I was still writing, I was doing blogs and writing for three, free websites and things like that. Um, I haven't really began writing about wrestling yet, other than the occasional blog, um, which I'm sure if people somehow die out now, uh, the old Tumblr blog I had, that would be terrible. But um, yeah, it, it was, it was. I, I'd kind of, I think it was about yeah four years in to that, so I was about maybe 25, 25, 20, 20 I think I was 25. And my mum said about me going back to college and getting what they call is an NCTJ. Now that's basically a qualification to work for a newspaper, like a proper journalism qualification, you learn shorthand, all of that stuff. I did like a 16-week intensive course of that, 
And in that time, I did get experience at places like 442 and uh, local newspaper in Watford, The Observer. And then once I so once I graduated from there, I, it was easier for me to get work. So I, I started writing as a betting writer, like a sports betting writer for Coral. Um, I then there was a company that took me on to just do sports betting for them in general, and I was just happy to be writing. But I, I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. Uh, and then so I got when my missus was pregnant with our first child, I kind of got let go from that job of sports betting. I'd moved down to Southampton, and a few months in, he was like, "Yeah." we're going to have to let a few of you go because um, the business wasn't doing well. So that sucked. Um, but at the same time, I'd been freelancing for Give Me Sport and, uh, and they had an opening as an NBA writer. Uh, there was like 10 of us who went for this job. I was lucky enough to get it. I needed it <laughs> with the kid on the way. Um, and then, yeah, so I did that. I, I, you know, I started with them, did that for like six to eight months. And then that kind of evolved into not just NBA, but US writing. Which, luckily for me, covered WWE. I remember on the first day looking at what we wrote there, and the editor said to me, you know, I mean, all the essentials, whatever, about what my job was going to be. And I just said to him, if there was ever, you ever needed me to write about WWE, I can do that. You know, I, I'm a big fan. So if you ever need that, let me do it. And he was like, yeah, I think he's probably thinking, okay, mate, can you just do your job? <laughs> Come on, mate, just just, write, <laughs> just just go write about basketball, mate. Um, so I was. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, but I, I always kind of put it out there that if, if anything ever came up, um, and then obviously I gradually started writing a little bit about wrestling with with the uh, with my role expanding across all US sports, and it wasn't before long before we was doing good numbers, and I remember 2K came to give me sport of an opportunity to interview the Big Show and Sheamus, who was part of their, I think it was 2K16, uh, maybe 2K17, I can't remember, but either or. Uh, and so Big Show was the first wrestler that I ever interviewed in the flesh um, and I just remember thinking man I just wish I could just do this and nothing else like I'd love to just sack all the other sports off and just write about wrestling um, so I so I kind of stayed along that path for a while uh, and then in, so I was looking at sport for three years all in all first two years I was kind of doing other jobs with wrestling every now and again right so, uh, like I was being a football writer and and all of those things. And in my last year, just the owner of the company said to me, you know, wrestling has become pretty much through mine and a couple of others hard work, like the third biggest sport they had behind boxing and football, sometimes level with boxing. Uh, and he was like, so, you know, we should just make you the head of wrestling, really. And I was, this is on like a night out as well, at Christmas do, and he was hammered. And I'm thinking, I hope he remembers this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love that. Um, and of course, it was months before it actually happened. I, I, I remember pestering uh, my line manager and saying, you know, he said that we should do this. And he said, oh, okay, but we'll need to find someone to replace you in your role. So it took a while, but then eventually I got there. And then that is when I started to really thrive. Um, I just focused all my energy into getting interviews, you know, carrying out my interviews, numbers on the website, which were, you know, was doing phenomenally well. And that's when, you know, I built up a lot of contacts. I started going to a lot more shows, WrestleMania, SummerSlams, etc. Basically, I could pile all my resources into trying to, be my best at that job uh, and it was great because it, there wasn't a, a job for me to apply for or even a role there are no wrestling roles per se in in the UK media but I'm, I made the role um, and then after doing that for a year talk sport I, I know I'd met a guy when I was on one of my press trips and he'd gone back and spoke to his bosses like unbeknownst to me and they were like well you know we don't really actually cover wrestling at the moment 
but we understand you're doing good numbers with Gimme Sport, blah, 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 you know, you're mate, near the top of of the very limited niche of the business that I was in. So he was like, well, you know, we'd love you to come and do that for us. You know, come and be our US editor. And I was, I was like, okay, like, once again, going and taking a role that didn't exist. But because I'd done good work, it came to be. Uh, and then, yeah, so now I'm about 14, 15 months, uh, where are we, April? Yeah, 16 months, in fact, into my um, my role with them. And it's been great. The same thing again. Like, you know, it's, it's taken it another step forward. A lot of interviews, a lot of work, but having that platform with TalkSport has obviously opened up even more doors for me. You know, being able to get things on air, all of a sudden the companies want to work with me a lot more. Uh, and then the same battles that I've, you know, I've been having all my career, when I first got to TalkSport, people on the radio didn't want to hear about wrestling. And then six months in, I was saying to the bosses, look at the numbers we've got on the website. You know, we'd gone from 30,000 in 2017 to like 13 million um, the Incre- next year. Incredible. You know, exactly. And, and then they were like, oh, wow, there's an audience for this. And that is honestly what was the genesis of the radio show that I have now. So honestly, uh, I, sorry for the long-winded answer. I, try, I said I'll try and make it concise. No, man. This, this is me making it concise. It's cool, but, uh, man. It's cool. Carry on. A lot of the journey has been, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm a trailblazer or anything like that because there are real people out there who are, but uh, a lot of the things that have happened for me weren't there. Like it's just, it's just uh, grown and manifested that way. And, and I've been really lucky to have, to have just been there, I guess, at the right time and putting in the work where it matters. Uh, so, you know, I'm really grateful for the spot I'm in now because I, I don't ever wake up for work and not want to do it. Um, and in those four years, God, I felt like that nearly every day. So it's it's wonderful to, to actually have, do what you love for a living and to you know to, to have made changes, I guess, to a big place like TalkSport, take wrestling seriously. And I think that does go hand in hand with how UK wrestling has boomed too, which has actually made like a, it's made a place for me and, and for what I do. So, you know, I, I, it's a, the perfect storm. Stu, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's cool, man. Oh, brilliant. What? I don't want to go off topic too much, but whatever sport, whatever US sports, do you cover? Yeah. So it's been it, like I said earlier, right? I was a, my first ever real full time, well, not my first full time writing job, but my first at a major company was a, a basketball writer. Um, I've always been a Lakers fan. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was devastated when Kobe died because he he was. Uh, like my hero he basically got me into basketball as a kid um it was, yeah it was always awful i was in houston for the Royal rumble at the time uh, and you sh- the streets were like when he died you could literally see it do you know what i mean yeah like, breaking news on people's phones you could literally feel it all around the city like oh man it just sucked it sucked so bad um but so yeah basketball is one uh, ufc is another one when we was at ufc in london last year you wouldn't have known it at the time, but I was sitting cage side covering the thing. Like it was pretty cool. My missus, we like to see you on TV. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know, there I am. Um, so UFC is another one that I've covered quite extensively. Um, really, at Talksport, it covers boxing and UFC, but uh, NBA is another one that I am uh, deep into. It just doesn't do great numbers for Talksport. Um, so NFL is something I'm less versed in, but of course, around Super Bowl. You make yourself first in it, uh, and that's about it. That's about the reach. I would, I would love to hire people. This is my goal, anyway. I've pitched this to to some of my bosses. I'd love to pitch 
um, sorry, I'd love to hire two or three people to come in and, and to cover those sports, i.e. NFL and uh, and baseball. Uh, I think that would be really worthwhile just to try and grow it out. But yeah, the main things I do do is basically combat flight sports, I guess. Which ones have been the best that you've covered? You mean uh, covering it live, right? Obviously, I know you've obviously gone to WrestleMania, so I kind of know what you're going to answer. But me, <laughs> well, me. I mean, I don't know. You say that some of those WrestleManias are so long, man. Like I yeah. remember by um, like WrestleMania 33, I'm sitting there and it's right. It's Roman Reigns, Undertaker, and no, I like both men very much. But man, it's like an over seven hour show. It's nearly midnight. I've been drinking. I'm like, man, I'm tired. Like I was, I was literally keeping my, I was struggling to keep my eyes open. That's how. That's how bad that was. So, I mean, some of the WrestleManias, like, that same WrestleMania, the Hardy Boys came back and it was phenomenal, right? Like, you know, you can't you can't explain those pops to people unless you're there and you feel them. Um, the same as I was there for Edge when he came back at the Rumble this year. Literally incredible. Uh, that, that event is one of my absolute favourites, that, that Royal Rumble, by the way. But, um, yeah, other than that, I'd say the best shows that I've covered... Maybe New Orleans, NXT TakeOver, um, NXT TakeOver Cardiff, NXT TakeOver um, Blackpool. Those are all, you know, they were all absolutely phenomenal events. Uh, the, the quality of wrestling from start to finish is just so immersive. It's just, yeah, amazing. I also went to the uh, Royal Albert Hall show when Mustache Mountain beat the Undisputed Era for the tag titles. That was also phenomenal stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just... Man, I've been blessed to see a lot of a lot of really great shows. Um, I would say, I would say, for some reason, the one that's sticking out of my mind is the New Orleans NXT UK Takeover, and I think that because there was a six there was a six man ladder match for the United uh, for the North American title to open, had like Ricochet, um, Adam Cole, all of that lot, that, it was amazing, and then it had Gargano, Champa. Um, there was a tag thing uh, where. Roddy, Roddy Strong uh, turned on Pete Dunne and joined on Sweet Era. It was just an amazing show. Amazing. Alex, who have you not interviewed that you'd like to interview? That was my next one. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll let you have a guess. At the, to- the top of my head. What, like, a, a, a current person now or someone who's left? Um, well, just so, just a hero of mine. Um, yeah, so, so the, the easy answer is The Rock. Right, okay. Easy. Uh, I would love it. He's obviously a big hero of mine. I still love him to this day. Uh, he's someone I would absolutely love to get the chance to, to sit and talk to. Um, in today's wrestling, you know, look, I've, I've had I've had pretty much everyone, but there are a few who. Um, so like, I never I've never had Cena, and he he is someone obviously who's kind of half left, so he's hard to get, um, and I've never had all. But he doesn't really do media, so it's very hard to get him too, but I'd love <laughs> to get him. Um, I would say out of the people that are kind of still full-timers that I would love to talk to, I've never had Bray Wyatt and I've never had The Miz, and I think they would both be very, very good to talk to. Other than that, I've been really lucky to have had such a wide scale of, of people. But I get that, I mean, in AEW so far, I've had Cody, I've had Dustin, Rhodes, I've had the Young Bucks, uh, I, I, well, I've had Moxley but when he was Dean Ambrose, um, I had, I've had Jericho before. What, what about Adam Page, he's my personal favourite and he was when he was in Ring of Honor but they underutilised, yeah. 
they underutilised him in Ring of Honor, but it's good to see where well, he is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, sorry, it's one of them, isn't it? Where they look at it, and they probably think, "God, uh, we dropped the ball on that one." I, I have interviewed him. Um, I interviewed him for about ten minutes straight after Double or Nothing. Funnily enough, so uh, he was a really cool guy, very cool guy in the flesh. Um, but they're, they're, you know, I haven't had Kenny Omega. I haven't had him yet. Um, I'd love to speak to Pack. Yeah. Because um, I, I I did speak to him as Neville, like God, like I don't know, four years ago. But it was like a um, a round table, so I only got to ask him like a question or two. I'd like to have a real yeah. sit down with Pack. That'd be um, cool. So yeah, there's a few, man. There's a few. That's a good. That's a good array of people there. To be fair. Yeah. Right, I've done. This is something new for my show, Alex. I'm going to test it out tonight. I've had people put questions up on the Stu's Wrestling Podcast Facebook page. So it's just a few questions now. Are you all right to answer these? I am, but I mean, you should say people should like the page if they haven't already, surely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have done. They have done. They're coming, they're coming through slowly but surely. <laughs> yeah. I liked it today, so there you go. Yeah, yes, you did. I'm very, uh, very appreciative of that as well. Hit me, mate. What question? Right, go. right. We'll go with this one now. This is Dewey Roberts. Do you think CM Punk will wrestle again? There's your first one. Uh, yes, I do. Um, and it's him and WWE are literally uh, they're, they're almost playing a game of not a game of chicken, but they, they just don't want to give up the leverage on one another. Almost. So CM Punk's kind of going, well, you know, I'm open to to being spoken to if the price is right, etc. And then I've been on calls with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon where they're like, well, you know, if everything lined up correctly, we'd work with CM Punk. So basically, it's each side saying to each other, make the first move. Do you know what I mean? But um, I think eventually, because you've got to remember, CM Punk, I think he's 41 now, or he's about to turn 41. There's only a smallish window of the next few years where you could really get him on an edge-like schedule facing proper top quality talents. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what, one of them will blink first. I just don't know who. And look at how many people have had bad things with Vince McMahon and years later they've come back. You know? Mate, if there's money to, if there's yeah. money to be made, yeah. Vince doesn't care. Exactly. So, I I wouldn't... It's got to happen at some point. It has to happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm firmly of the belief it will. Now, this is another one from Dowie. It's uh, staying on topic with CM Punk. Now, he's asked, who would you like CM Punk to feud with if he ever came back to WWE? Oh, man. Do you know what? That's just like Edge, where you just go look at the array of talent that, you know, and the stories you could tell. Uh, man, it'd be endless. You know, I, I look at uh, CM Punk and someone like a Matt Riddle, and I say, man, that's an easy story to tell. Um, you know, and also the action would be awesome. I'd like to see a CM Punk and Adam Cole. Um, I'd like I'd like to see CM Punk and Seth Rollins. Um, I'd like to see, you know, you got to remember for the the and that goes for Reigns as well. When the Shield originally came in, and they were meant to be Roll, uh, Punk's bodyguards per se or hitmen, whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, they've grown exponentially since then. So it's a different world, and you can you can kind of play off that in in the story. Uh, you know, CM Punk and Walter would be. Would be incredible, um, you know. A Tyler Bate, you know, they're like different generations. But for my uh, for my money, Tyler Bates as good a worker as anyone in the business. So, you know, you have so many different styles and stories you could tell with CM Punk, and just given his name value, would be it'd be just incredible. But 
you know, maybe someone like CM Punk and The Fiend. There'd be some stories to tell yeah. there. Um, it's, man, it, it, the possibilities get me so excited when I think about them. Um, and I just, Lord knows if he'll ever come back and do a long program. Knowing WWE, they'd probably pitch him to face Triple H or someone at WrestleMania because obviously that writes itself. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, ah, oh, man, I feel like uh, with CM Punk, if you could just get him on like a two-year part-time deal and knock out so many of these incredible matches, man. There are so many on the table. Uh, and assuming that Punk can go close to the rate that he did before, it would just be magic. Right, Mike Angus asks, what was your favourite match stipulation? He's not said a specific time period there. So Right. Um, do you know what? I've got a thing about stipulations where um, I don't, I don't really like them becoming pay-per-views. That's something that's something I think dilutes the quality of not A the match and B they make feuds culminate around the pay-per-view whereas they should organically lead to these kind of matches. Um, so I don't that that kind of that's always bugged me a little bit. Um, I've always loved the concept of money in the bank because it's just a multi-man ladder match that's full of great action and and the stakes are real. So I've always loved that. Always loved uh, obviously, I mentioned earlier about TLC. I mean, when the right when the right components are in that match, that's incredible. But you got to remember, most ladder matches are a TLC match, really, because <laughs> most people pull out ladders and chairs either way. <sighs> like you know, tables and just on their own, a table match or a chair match doesn't do that much for me because they spend the whole match kind of dancing around the concept before the final blow. And uh, Hell in a Cell, I think the standards have been set so high for that that it makes it very difficult to to, to get a unique, uh, or, or a, what I should say, a Hell in a Cell that satisfies what you crave out of that match. Although, I will say, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks did an incredible job last year. But, uh, yeah, I'd say they're, they're my favourites. When I look at things like Last Man Standing... I can't think of too many amazing last man standing matches right off the top of my head. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I do like the concept of Iron Man, but again, I haven't seen a great Iron Man in a while. Uh, I don't know. There's something. To, there's a really good question, something to think about. But I would say just in general, like, if there's a ladder involved, I think, oh, this is going to be cool. When you look at who's involved in it, I think, yeah, we're, we're in for something good here. The next one is from Mike Mad Dog Angus. This is another one from Mike Mad Dog Angus. This. He also asks, what was your favourite Owen Hart Reg Park story? Reg Park. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, see, Owen, Owen Hart, by the way, um, slightly off topic, is just one of my absolute favourite performers there ever was. And what happened to him is... It's, it's, it's literally like the biggest black mark in the history yeah. of professional wrestling. 100%. Uh, you, I mean, uh, when you look at Hall of Fame, isn't it tragic that you that he can't be a part of it? It's it's on Martha's it's on Martha say so though, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely is. We've got we've got Dark Side of the Ring yet yeah, as well. That, that, we've got the Owen Hart episode, so obviously she's going to be on there. It's going to be interesting that one. What was the other part of your question? Did you say Reg Park? Yeah. Your favourite Owen Hart Reg Park story? Jesus, I don't even know if I have one, mate. I've got to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it, when I actually look at... Um, so obviously, for those who, who aren't aware, I know that uh, Reg Park is like a guy who did 
uh, was it what, what was he like, Mr. Britain or something random like that, wasn't he? I can't remember. But this Owen Hart, he I know he used to do ribs like pretending to be him, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't I don't know on all all the Owen Hart ribs, man. It'd be very very hard to recall. <laughs> any of them on the spotlight I wish I'd looked at the page before I came on to this call now but there you go that's that's Mike Angus for you that is I tell you oh. no fair play he's got me he stunned me, he stunned me. <laughs> Kevin Williams asks should WWE and other wrestling companies shut the door on wrestling for the time being with the Covid yes, yes they should um, it's uh, there's you know I see a selfie from Jerry the King Lawler today saying uh, that you know he was travelling to Orlando and he was on a plane. And, yeah. Um, he, he had a heart attack not long ago, as we all know. It's ludicrous mm. to suggest that someone with underlying health conditions yeah. who is more susceptible to this virus mm-hmm. is actually travelling to do a show at this point. I, it's, it's, I'm sorry, like they've got enough content, enough fantastic documentaries to tie us over for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, they, or, or they should have taped in bulk like AEW did. What These live shows, they should not let ESPN and USA Network handcuff them like this. Not at all. The way I look at that as well, if they're not allowing Reigns to do anything, if you know, you didn't do Mania, why would you put like a 70-year-old man, you know, in the firing line? He's more susceptible than Reigns. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the thing. When, when you look at, I mean, obviously Reigns took that decision himself and, for whatever reason, Jerry the King Lawler hasn't. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess that's all down to East of their own and, and all of that. But at the same time, the WWE, you know, these people are, are what they would call contractors, but they do, they have an obligation to these people and their health. And I really, really feel uneasy about these shows continuing mm. in a climate where nothing else is. Nothing. No sport. You can't even... You know, you can't even take your kids to a place and the parks are locked, everything. But for some reason, wrestling is still going. I'm, I'm, I'm very uneasy with it. Alex, what about the football in Belarus? Is that still going on? <laughs> is it? Oh, I don't know. I heard about this recently. The, the Belarusian League was still. I, someone t- actually, someone said to me on Saturday night, funnily enough, I've watched Dynamo. I don't know if it was Dynamo Minsk or someone. Uh, it, so, yeah, I think he was putting bets on and all sorts. I bet, I bet they've never had such an influx of money. In the Belarusian league. It's crazy. The fans will just be lapping it up in the stands drinking vodka, one guy said I was reading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. To, as you've said that, I've just typed it onto my laptop. And yes, someone played as recently as yesterday. That's so crazy. What the hell? Crazy. The hell? It's not just Vince. <laughs> yeah, Vince and Belarus. Like, you know, brothers in arms. David Riley asks, will WWE ever move back to anything like the Attitude Era? And if not, will the current PG product be relaxed in any way? I mean, that's a tough question. And um, let me tell you this. As someone who had had pined for something like, you know, something closer to the Attitude Era for a long time, I I live in a world where I hope they would. But at the same time, I think everything moves and evolves. And WWE obviously are doing whatever makes them the most money. AEW has an edgier product on Dynamite, so if you really want you know, something closer to the Attitude Era, you would watch that out of the two. Do I think WWE will ever move back to it? I, not until Vince dies. And even then, um, I don't know. It, it's one of them things where it, it, it was a different time. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you, you have to understand. Like the, the things they did in the Attitude Era, I don't. There's a lot of it you just couldn't now. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't talk about the edgy stuff, but certainly the way women were portrayed would be a backward step. But a lot of people don't realise on the independence that men and women wrestle each other all the time. You know, obviously we had Orton attack Phoenix the other week. It doesn't need as long as it's kind of done in the right manner and not degrading. I think you could do that, and WWE could explore that. And and there is definitely tones of the Attitude Era that they could utilise. That would be more inquiry, right? Like uh, I I just feel like there is more. They could definitely be edgier, and their storylines could have more flexibility like that. But I'm just not convinced that. To me, I think Vince is kind of shackled a lot by the money, and if, and if if anybody doesn't believe that, and that, and that goes with sponsors and whatnot, then just look at what he's doing right now by not cancelling the shows. So you'll get a fairer reflection of that when Triple H or someone assumes the mantle. How, do you think a lot of it? A lot of it's surely got to do with sponsorship. And I heard years and years ago, it's the it's the figure, the action figure deal with Mattel as well. Why it's PG? I mean, it, it's a factor. <laughs> No, you know, no doubt about it, but you know, a lot of the TV networks as well, though, were saying, uh, you know, and this is why they arbitrarily just have no blood rules out of nowhere, and it'll be what well, you know, the TV networks have said, no. Same with the chair shots and the concussions. Um, you know, if they want the sponsors, the people, the, the big money sponsors are basically PG show, you know, for kids, and ultimately, like you said, with sponsorships and as you know, memorabilia and things of that nature goes. Kids, oh well, their parents buy it for them, but kids are the ones who are going to buy that yeah. stuff. So uh, ultimately, I understand why WWE have gone in that direction because it, there's multiple layers as to why that's more financially viable for them. But it, you know, it, uh, should the product suffer? There's there's going to be they wonder why ratings are down sometimes. But when you lose generations of fans because the product isn't good, eventually that will happen. But this this the last of the questions off the page now. Uh, this is this is Dewey Roberts again, and it, uh, I've got to ask you this one. It's a good one. This if AJ Styles, if AJ Styles could feud with anyone from NXT, who would you like to see be the person to feud with him? Uh, Adam Cole. Um, that's the easiest answer all day because they've obviously got the easy. Well, first of all, the matches would be insane. Second of all, they've got the uh, Bullet Club connections. Mm-hmm. You know, from New Japan, they got the Ring of Ring of Honor. They got all the all of the history. That if WWE so chose to lay into, would be incredible. But even if WWE didn't do that, the fans know, and you could just, you could literally, uh, they could do it in their promos by just undertones and just you know subtle nods, and everyone would be into it. Everyone would dig it. I think that match would sell itself. It's weird. It's odd to me with NXT now. They don't want to go to the main roster, do they? A lot of the talent. No, I mean I sat with all, all four of them uh, at the Royal Rumble. And the thing you get with this is I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this the way you get with the people that have kind of helped get NXT to where it is now is that they just love it there right and they they, just, they want to be a part of that they're making great money their travel schedule is a hell of a lot lighter than the main roster they all get to live in you know Florida and stay there and record there it's a great life so why do you really want to you know the only incentive for them for a lot of them, is to get up to main roster to have a WrestleMania. That's pretty much it, right? Other than, other than that, you can do a lot of what you want to do in the next team now. You can be in the Royal Rumble, be in Survivor Series. You can 
you can do all these different cool things. The only thing you can't really do is get on the WrestleMania card. So I think to a lot of them, it's, it's like, why? And I guess there is more money in going up to WWE as well, but it's not. But people are making good money in NXT anyway. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I feel like the Undisputed Era, though, with the possibilities and the fact that they've done pretty much everything in NXT, uh, you know, sooner or later, they're going to make that move. It's it's the two hours of television a week as well, isn't it? You know, you got you got a lot of you got a lot of time there, aren't you? To you know, it's just a lot of TV time for them now, isn't there? Mm. It's not one hour a week, is it anymore? I don't know. I'd love to see Adam Cole come up. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I'd love to see the four lads come up together, and then Champ and Gagano. But they love it there. It's... I think Champ has already said that he has no intention of coming up. Um, yeah, the schedule would yeah. destroy his destroy his neck. I think so. I don't. I don't think he has any intention of doing that. But it would be, you know, on paper I look at that and I go, man, wouldn't it be great to have DIY on the main roster and have them? I know they've just feuded and whatnot, but you could easily get them back together at some point and have them go against the Usos and and, and every other big tag team. But at the end of the day, I thought that about revival and look what happened. So you can't trust anything coming out of NXT. Nothing coming out of NXT is a sure thing in Vince McMahon's hands. And I don't mean that as a slander. Because Vince McMahon is, is a genius who's done many, many wonderful, wonderful things in the wrestling business. Um, but not every NXT talent translates the way the fans would like them to. Right, Alex, can you plug your social media, please? I sure can. You can catch me, uh, AlexM underscore TalkSport on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I would say catch me on Twitter, though, because my Instagram sucks. Um, and other than that, you can obviously catch me on Sundays between 9 and 10 on TalkSport 2 on our wrestling show, Talk Wrestling. We have great guests. And, of course, you can call in. Uh, I've got my YouTube channel, which you will just find as Alex McCarthy on there. And, uh, so, sorry, that's where you'll catch a lot of my interviews, uh, a lot of the video and audio. Uh, And other than that, you can catch me and my work at TalkSport.com forward slash wrestling. So, plenty of ways uh, for me to be in your life. Alex, thank you very much for coming on. I've really enjoyed it. Mate, thank you very much for the invite. Anytime you want to do this again, I'm sure we can find the time. Big thank you to 3210 for their track Sonar in the intro and the outro for today's show. Cheers, boys, for letting me use it. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always. Superb, superb. Chris Dutton, thank you very much for editing once again. Appreciate it, buddy. And also to Lee, who does my website. Lee puts the stuff up on the website. Without you guys, I'd be screwed. So once again, as always, appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me. It means a lot, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.